This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for the Canton and Simeu show. Our weekly show, although we did take a bit of a hiatus last week. Busy schedules between the two of us got in the way of that, so apologies. But we are back uh, on the Guna Talk this time around to have a discussion about our beloved club that uh, threatens our souls every single week. Harry, how you doing, mate? Are you well? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Just trying to kind of keep calm, I guess, mm. is the is the message. <laughs> how yeah. about you? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about keeping calm. Um, I'm not a really angry person anyway, so I, I don't imagine seeing myself get losing my losing. You're not my angry, and you're an Arsenal show. fan. How's that work? No, it's uh, years of practice, is what it is. It's years <laughs> of just you know, just sorting yourself out. Are you, are you an angry person being an Arsenal fan? Would you describe yourself that way? I can be an angry person, I've been an angry person at times, yeah. 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 yeah, like you in my old age, I, I think I'm calming down a little bit. Mm, yeah, <laughs> old age, <laughs> unbelievable. It's only a few years between us, unbelievable. Um, Mikel Arteta, Harry, that is the, the kind of the main viewpoint of discussion around Arsenal. Last since we last spoke, we I think the last time we spoke, we were one point or fourth, uh, which kind of does show how things have changed uh, in that amount of time. Uh, and all of a sudden, we're now in a position where. Mikel Arteta is dominating the discussion for very different reasons. Let me just kind of get your where you're at with, with the coach right now. So, I mean, like you said, just a few weeks ago, everybody was was pretty pleased. Everybody was pretty content with where we were, uh, the direction of travel, the fact that a lot of the new signings have come in this season and been quite positive, especially from a defensive standpoint. And then we've gone on this run of games where we've lost three of our last four in the Premier League, two of which were at Anfield and at Old Trafford. Um, I I said at the time, I think it was last time we spoke, I felt like Mm. Liverpool was a free hit. So my reaction to that wasn't overly uh, excessive. The game at Old Trafford was not a free hit. Let me be clear about that. It wasn't a free hit, but it was a game you could quite easily lose away at Manchester United. It's not an easy game and it's a place that traditionally we've struggled at. So when you think about the way that game unfolded, it was more frustrating than anything else because I felt like having 
found that equaliser to make it 2-2. We then gifted United the game with a, a moment of madness from Martin Odegaard. So again, my reaction, I think, was quite measured off the back of that. And then we went to Everton and all hell broke loose. The performance was, was for thinking of a better term, awful. You know, it was it was really poor. Um, there was questionable decisions made by the manager in the build-up and in the game yeah. that have got a lot of people kind of feeling confused, feeling a little bit unclear about what it is that Mikel Arteta is wanting from this team. And I completely understand that. But what I would say is from my own personal standpoint, my hopes for Arsenal or the goal that I personally set for Arsenal has not changed. It hasn't mm. changed since the start of the season. It hasn't got, you know, it hasn't increased or, or I don't feel like we're worthy of any more because we went on that unbeaten run. And equally, because we've lost a couple of games, I don't feel like we should be knee-jerking and completely changing our outlook on this team. This is a team that are not good enough to be consistent over the course of an entire season with a manager who's probably not good enough to be consistent over an entire season. But if you as a football club make a decision to hire somebody like Mikel Arteta and label it, brand it, view it as a long-term project, then you cannot sack the guy before Christmas in his second full season. Now, as fans, we might think he, he's not the right man and he should be moved on. But let me make this clear. Arsenal Football Club are not pulling the trigger on Mikel Arteta today, tomorrow, no. the day after, the, the next week, next month. I don't think anyway. No. I think he'll still be at the club. So for me, when you're in this position where you're a point off the top six, which is what I thought that Arsenal needed to achieve this season, I think it's harsh to say that he needs to be sacked. Where all this frustration comes from, in my opinion, is that a lot of what we saw against Everton was things that we thought we'd gotten past, problems that we thought maybe we'd gone some way to solving. And, what, what are those problems? What, are the, what, what do you think of the problems? Because th this is where we get into kind of, I think where we're going to start to kind of deviate in where our views align, because mm. I've seen a lot of issues over the, the 10 games that we, that we went unbeaten uh, was great. Uh, and I say it was great. It was good. Um, there was a lot of issues in those 10 games. And I think the position in the table and certainly where from my perspective is that I was very critical of people that were still banging on the Arteta out kind of drum during that 10 game unbeaten run. And there's a lot of people who feel very justified right now after that Everton and Manchester United game, which I don't necessarily agree with. But the point was is where I went from going from thinking that a managerial change after Villarreal would be the right move and what any other big club would do, going to the new season, turning over a clean slate, and obviously the, the start of the season was awful. We made some good signings. We arrested that slide. We went on a 10-game unbeaten run. But within those games and within this entire season, I've been yet to see a philosophy, yet to see a style, yet to see a consistent kind of run of performances where we've dominated games with a real, you know, the Aston Villa games, the only one really I, I, I pick out as a game where we really gunned for the opponent. Even the Spurs game, we scored, we sat back and then hit them on the counter and got, got them twice and to go 3-0 up. And then they scored in the second half and we could have easily blown that game as well. So the, the, the Norwich game, the, the Burnley game, the Watford game, the Newcastle game, we haven't created enough chances in those fixtures despite winning them. And I think that now, after those two tests against United and Everton, which we before, I think the last show we did on your channel, we we said that these next upcoming games are going to tell us where we are as a team. And that Man United game and that Everton game really did highlight that 
what we were doing across that 10-game unbeaten run wasn't sustainable if we wanted to achieve our goal or above our goals this season. Yeah, but th- that ties into the point w- that I was making that that 10-game unbeaten run, for me anyway, didn't say to me, oh my God, Arsenal are in a place now where we are a nailed-on top four contender. Mm. So it, it, it depends, I guess, on how much you read into that run. If If you believe that that run was a significant sign of progress, then understandably, you're going to be overly disappointed when we go to Manchester United and Everton, and especially at Everton, play the way we did and end up getting beat. I just think for me, the issues, going back to the the question, you know, what are the issues that I see that Mm. keep cropping up? The predictability in our attacking play was back again. And a massive part of that was Xhaka and Tierney being in the side. And Arsenal (laughs) naturally, (laughs) I mean, it was, it was literally... Xhaka gets the ball in that mm. deep, slightly left of centre position, looks for Kieran Tierney, mm. looks to pick him out. And, you know, we put a cross into the box. Now, ultimately, that's where our goal came from, right? Kieran Tierney down the left-hand mm. side, cutting the ball back. What we did better in that particular instance was get Martin Odegaard into the box quicker and, and use Gabriel Martinelli to kind of, um, you know, make the run across the near post and take defenders away. But it's the predictability, it's the lapses in concentration it's not being clinical enough when we really need to be. And and that is partly down to us creating so little that when we do create something, we almost have to take it every time because mm. that's the difference between us winning or losing games. But the other side of it is that a lot of this is that we're talking about is, is such fine margins, Tom. And, you know, we didn't go to Everton and get beaten by four goals to nil. It was a dreadful game where both teams were dreadful. and. You know, in the end, Arsenal missed some some really good opportunities, particularly at the end. Eddie Nketiah, Aubameyang didn't take them. Everton took a couple and and that's the way it went. I, I just think for me that when you look at Mikel Arteta and where we're at now, I think it was it would have been naive to feel like we'd gotten past all of this. It's going to mm. crop up. The difference or the key now for me is that Last season, we went on that dreadful run, didn't we? I think September, October. Yeah, we were one in 10. Yeah, we hadn't won in 10, which is awful. You can't allow a rot to set in. And that was what happened last season. There was a rot. We eventually got out of it, but it was too late. We were really good in the second half of the season, results-wise, in comparison to the rest of the Premier League. But we'd fallen too far behind. And I truly believe that the difference between Arsenal making Europe and not making Europe this season is if we can make sure that periods like that are just dips and not rots. If you let them turn into rots, then they become increasingly more difficult to get out of. So look, looking at the upcoming fixtures, there's some very winnable games there. And if you win three out of the next four, for argument's sake, all of a sudden the outlook is very different again. So he ain't getting sacked. He's not getting sacked now. So let's give the team and him an opportunity to hopefully turn it around. But that doesn't mean there aren't any concerns and there aren't any worries. I think it's... And we're going to continue the discussion. I do want to jump into the, the chat box as well. And first of all, say thank you, everyone, uh, for tuning in, as always. Make sure that you're following Harry at Harry Simu and, of course, the Chronicles of Aguna, where 
next week, uh, should our schedules align once again, we will, of course, be returning for the next Canton Simu show on Harry's channel. We alternate every single week. And, uh, of course, make sure you're subscribed to both. Um, and thank you for the kind words you're throwing into the chat box. Been reading for a couple of those while Harry's been speaking. And uh, they're being very kind about us, Harry, which is uh, we always appreciate that. So, I've so. had a jumper comment as well. I, I, oh, I'm from not... Owen, of all people, I think. Do you know what? I've, <laughs> I've worn this jumper a couple of times on uh, on my show. And um, I always get grief about it. So it's like it's become a thing now. Mm. So I'm actually quite pleased when the jumper gets brought up. It's warm and it's comfortable. I've got this like, it's a navy blue t-shirt, but it's got white lines that go vertically down it. But on the stream, because the camera darkens you, it looks like it's black and white. So the amount of Newcastle fan comments I get (laughs) when I wear this shirt, and I I don't think I've worn it in in a lot. Although to be fair, the other day, as I was describing to you, the shacket that I wore previously. Love a shacket. yeah, I've got a, I've got a new one, and now I got described as if I'm on the Peaky Blinders this time around. So uh, you can't escape criticism in the fashion world on YouTube. That's uh, that's Love that's it. what we've learned. Uh, yes, yeah, Jonathan should have worn the hat because apparently the hat makes the uh, the, the ensemble is is what it is. Um, let's return uh, to the conversation. Look, Harry, I I get kind of where you're at on the. We, we don't allow a rot to set in. We don't allow these results. And we've had a couple of bad ones. The the issue for me on my side of things is that like, I feel like the Man United and the Everton games were coming. I feel like what we saw in that 10 game unbeaten run where there were plenty of positives, mainly from the results and from the match wins and from the, the you know, avoiding a loss and the clean sheets. And the problem was, is, is during that 10 game unbeaten run, I didn't see enough evidence that, this Arsenal side, not for a top four challenge, but even could sustain, say, a, a position in the top six. Because this season we were, at the start of the year, very fortunate Spurs were dreadful. Man United were dreadful. Everton have continued to be dreadful. Aston Villa are a team that we were expecting to kind of be up there with the signings they were making and their ambitions were dreadful. I mean, Man United have sat their manager, Spurs sat their manager, Villa have sat their manager and played all those clubs, beating two of those prior to them sacking their manager. It was only when we played Man United after they sacked their manager that we lost to them. Um, the, I look at the games that we were winning. We should beat Burnley, and you know we, we struggled to get that win. We should beat Norwich, and despite creating 30 shooting opportunities, came out 1-0 winners and could have dropped points if Pookie's shot hadn't been blocked in the last minute by Gabriel. Uh, the Watford game, <laughs> we tried to lose that. <laughs> we desperately yeah. tried to lose that game. The Newcastle match, Newcastle are a terrible side right now. Um, and obviously, we, we managed to get some goals at crucial periods during the game. Uh, and the Martinelli finish was it's, it's a low XG chance that he takes very well. Um, but I feel like I look at those games and the time we're sitting, you know, in and around the top four race. And you can't really point the finger anywhere at that point. You've got to kind of ride that wave. You've got to appreciate the fact that where we are on the table. But I did continually point out during that period that I was concerned that the way that we were playing wasn't sustainable. And I feel like the Everton game and the Man United game have shown that to be the case. And I now worry going into not only Southampton, who are a side that historically have a, is a bit of a banana skin for us, at home and away, and then we go and play West Ham. And, and that could drop us not just out of a top four race, which I don't think many people expected. I didn't at the start of the season. But out of a top six race as well with how Spurs have rejuvenated, with how West Ham are, with how Manchester United have also rejuvenated too. Do you, do you see that issue with the unsustainability of our kind of displays? Yeah, I do. I do. And, um, you know, as I say, 
when you looked at those games and looked at those performances, you, there wasn't an, a massive amount to take encouragement from outside of the mm. results. I completely agree with you. And so I understand why people are frustrated. I understand why there are people out there that want Mikel Arteta sacked. Now, mm. I'm not, you know, when I say that I wouldn't do it right now, it doesn't mean that I don't think there is a case for it to be done right now. But one of my big fears with Arsenal Football Club is that we're poorly run. And we are run by people who have shown incompetence over the years. And if you think back to when, um, you know, Arsene Wenger was was replaced, none of us were talking about Unai Emery. None of us were hoping for Unai Emery. It was an interview process that I don't think went the way that Arsenal wanted it to go. And Unai Emery got the job. And look, we gave him a chance. It didn't work. We sacked Unai Emery. We messed around for three, four weeks trying to sort out who was going to come in, put Freddie Lundberg yeah. in place as a <laughs> as an interim manager, which, in my opinion, impacted on us having the new manager bounce. You know, you might as well leave Unai Emery there if you don't have a backup plan. But Arsenal pulled the trigger there without a plan. And then we went and got Mikel Arteta, which was another big risk. But part of me here is, is sitting here going, maybe Arteta isn't the answer, but who do you replace him with? And are we in a position to do that now? Because if we're not, then, you know, it's weird. Like it's, if we're not in a position to do it now, then, you know, you, I just think, look, I explained my stance yesterday on my podcast. And because a lot of people were saying to me, well, you know, you're criticizing Arsenal off the back of the Everton game, which I did. Um, So, so where are you on what the club should be doing now? And my view is very much that Arsenal should be considering the idea of changing the manager doesn't mean that they should definitely do it, but Mm. there's got to be pressure there. There's got to be um, some form of pressure applied on Mikel Arteta to get things right and quicker. And if I were Arsenal, and I know this is a little bit snaky maybe and not ideal, (laughs) but I'd be feeling out other options. I'd be having conversations. I'd be having my ear close to the ground to try and understand who may or may not be interested in the job. And being prepared for the eventuality that we do see another one of those rots, in which case you have to you have to pull the plug. You know, if we go on a, a bad run for the next three four weeks, then then sack him and change it. You know, that's not a problem for me. But yeah, so if we say we lose to Southampton, West Ham, Leeds, you lose those three, you would change the coach. Yeah, absolutely. I think the position becomes untenable then, mm. partly because of what it means for this season and partly because of what we saw last season. The whole picture, you'd say that there's not been enough progress. But if Mikel Arteta goes and wins four out of the next five, which is not mm. impossible, then the outlook looks very different. And, and the point I'm trying to make is that the sample size needs to be bigger. You know, we looked at last season, a lot of us were very frustrated, but a lot of us also accepted that it was his first full season in charge. Mm. And this is the time we're going to judge him this time around, this season. This Premier League will give you opportunities. People drop points all the time. It's not like if you don't win 75, 80% of your games, you stand no chance. You know, you yeah. if you win 60% of your games, 50% of your games and pick up a few draws along the way, you'll still be there or thereabouts. It's that competitive. And so for me, it's if you want to do it, do it, but make sure you've got a plan in place because mm. if you haven't, then it's pointless. And and I fear that Arsenal probably don't have a plan in place. So to sack him tomorrow means you're going to be without a manager for a month, probably one of the most crucial months of the season, and and you know find yourself in a, in a spot of bother again. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at. 
Yeah, I mean, if you think back to to when we sat to Nyamri, we were devoid of of a real, you know, of a coach for for a while. Freddie Jumberg came in, but hadn't managed at that level uh, ever. Um, and I think that if they are going to move him on, they need to have contingencies sorted and ready to, to to take over almost immediately and for the next game, which is really tough in this industry. We've seen Ole Gunnar Solskjaer left and then Michael Carrick was in charge, didn't lose a game um, and obviously played Arsenal and Chelsea during that time and, and won at Villarreal against Unai Emery too. So it's if it is going to happen, they need to be prepared. I've just chucked uh, with, with Harry's advice from the last show, a poll into the chat box uh, for go. the first time. <laughs> Uh, on the channel so of all the of all the polls to be our first poll the question <laughs> is where are you on the manager uh a keep the faith b change the coach or c i'm on the fence um if you are watching please do jump into the youtube live chat and uh, cast your vote we'll return at the end of the show to see where the votes are currently after 49 votes in three minutes 18 percent are keeping the faith 48 percent are changing the coach and 32 percent are on the fence let's see if that changes which is interesting considering and you've got to look at it from the perspective of my you know audience coming from my perspective have been quite pro arteta very quite heavily in the past so it's very interesting how this community in particular is is looking at 50 percent towards uh, a change of coach i also dropped in a question to the chat box what's your position on the manager, the Robots Relate you says, in my opinion, Arteta in or out now isn't going to be a fix enough when the owners we have are terrible. Whoever they bring in to replace him will just be as meh in the technical phrase of describing managers. Orlando says, I wouldn't do it now either. I would have done it in the summer after repeating eighth, which is where I was, was at in terms of the managerial position. Bulgarian Guna says, keep for now. If we're stuck in mid-table mediocrity at the end of this month, then he deserves to be sacked. Uh, Steve Stone says, I'm on the fence, Tom. I have flip-flopped a couple of times this season already. Tejas says, I think we really need to keep within a win or two from the top four so that we can capitalise on not having European football towards the latter parts of the season. Um, it's it's always that question as well, Harry, is if we do say, if that decision is made, say we lose against Southampton, lose against West Ham, and this position becomes untenable and beyond everyone's surprise, they do end up moving him on. The question then is who is out there that you get? People throw up names like Zidane and, and Ten Hag and you're thinking... Are they going to come to Arsenal? Is Arsenal enough of a draw for them? Because, you know, we we joke around about the Vlaovic situation of him going, having no interest in moving. Do you think that would be, and is a growing case for Arsenal in this kind of 2021 era of the club and the attractiveness of the club? Yeah, I mean, look, make no mistake about it, it's still a really attractive club. You know, it's a mm. big club. It's a historically very successful club. It's a club with a massive global fan base. It's a club that participate in the best league in the world. And it's a club that's based in London. And a lot of people, um, I think, undervalue how important that is. If you're somebody that's planning to move to England from abroad, London is a big appeal. You know, maybe the rest of England is lovely too, but it's not as much of an appeal as, as London is to those who are looking at it from the outside in. So, I think that the club is a very attractive proposition, but it's it's more than that. It's about you need to sell the project mm. to whoever this manager is that potentially comes in and replaces Mikel Arteta. You have to make them feel like there is an environment here in which they can succeed. And at this moment in time, I don't know how you sell that 
you know, we've we've gone out and bought players in who I think have got bright futures ahead of them. But so so kind of half of it's there, but you need to show that you're willing to then back them even further by going and bringing experienced mm. and, and top players that can see you compete at the highest level. Look, as we always say, nobody's ever won anything with kids. You don't. It's as simple as that. And, and one of the reasons that Arsenal are largely inconsistent is because we're heavily reliant on a lot of kids. And when you've got people like Thomas Partey, who I'm sorry, I know people are going to take offence to this, has been abysmal in recent yep. weeks. Yeah, um, it's been really under par, really poor, not just technically, but physically uh, as well. He, he doesn't look up to it. That's a big problem, you know. And then you move further forward and you look at somebody like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's also been poor. And you look at Alexander Lacazette, who people were banging on about should be in the team. And, you know, all the hindsight merchants came out and moaned after the game against Everton, but half of them wanted a Bamiyang dropped and wanted to see Lacazette start. So when those guys are not delivering and not performing, you know, they're the ones that the heat should be on as much as the manager. Them and the manager are the leaders of this team. They're the people that are going to be key in getting us to where we need to be. Saka, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe, these guys are great. They're fantastic. But they will have weeks where they don't score, where they don't contribute um, as you'd like them to. And we have to accept that. But the senior players, in my opinion, with all this time, are getting a completely free ride. And mm. it drives me mad. You know, it's the the responsibility has got to be divided equally among the, the key stakeholders, the, the manager and the key players. And if you think that these kids are going to deliver on a weekly basis, and get us to where we need to be, then re recalibrate your expectations because it's wrong. And um, and so a lot of work still needs to be done at Arsenal. We've kind of done the first phase, building a new core, a young core, but we need to complement that with top, top players. And I hope that Arsenal do that in the, in the near future. Is Mikel the man to take us to the next level? I don't know. But even if he does get sacked at some point in this season, similarly mm. to the way Ole Gunnar Solskjaer went into United and almost helped restore the culture a little bit and, and help bring some of the young players through. Not everything he did was bad. He ain't the guy to take him to the next level, but not everything he'd done up to that point where he got sacked was bad. And I think you'd probably look back at Mikel Arteta's reign in two or three years' time and say the same thing. There were some positives there. Just can't see him right now. Mm. I think that the, the issue for some people is going to be with the senior players is would say a new coach come in and get more from Partey, get more from Aubameyang. I kind of look at Aubameyang as an individual uh, and on his own. And I say, if we were in a, if he was in a system where chances were being created more regularly and more often, he'd have more chances to score. And obviously, he's he's in an absolutely horrible spate of form right now. But is that because the very few chances that he's getting, when he misses them, he's got a lot longer to fester on the the kind of the negative disappointment of missing because the next chance takes so long before it comes to him again. And is that having an impact on his performance? You can't say the same for Partey because it's very different with Partey. Like playing in a midfield at Arsenal, he's got a lot of the ball. He has a lot of the ball. For me, I see a, a player who's not yet adapted from La Liga. He takes too much time on the ball, which you get a lot more time of in Spain. He takes too heavy a touches. He's not his quickness of thought isn't quite there yet. And for a 28-year-old to develop and to improve and to expect that quick change, it's, you know, it, it might not come. And that's a real 
that's a real concern because if it doesn't come after, say, 18 months and you've not yet adapted, despite missing 21 games through injury, he's played, what, 45, 46 games now for Arsenal. He should he should know that he needs to speed up his game. He should know that he needs to be aware of the space. But from the striking situation, Harry, do you think there is an argument to suggest that maybe a Bamiang individually, yes, he's missing chances, but we aren't creating enough for him right now? Yeah, I do. I do think we're not creating enough for him. I mentioned earlier on that it feels like our games are being decided on the one or two chances that we do carve out playing this way. It's there's so much pressure on someone like Aubameyang or Enketia mm. the other night, for example, that when that ball comes to them, it's almost blurring their vision. It's almost weighing heavy on their shoulders and at times making it harder for them to score. I really do think that the pressure is definitely there and it's more than it should be. But equally, I want my senior players, especially my captain, to to take some responsibility. He's not a captain though, is he? Like, he's just not. No, he's it's not. Just... <laughs> he's not. But this is... this. So is, is that uh... on Arteta then to say, look, he's not a captain. We know that. I can see that. You can see that. The fans can see that. Is there not an element to, or an argument to say he should change the captaincy because he's not he's not a leader? There is, but what are the repercussions of that? Mm. Because I think it was very clear in the summer that although we needed a striker that was a better fit to the way we play, Arsenal looked at looked at the situation, looked at the positions in which they wanted to strengthen and saw the striking position as one that we do need to address eventually, but one that we could delay because we had a Bamiang and Lacazette, two players who have been pretty accomplished forwards in the past. The implications mm-hmm. of saying to someone like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who I'm sure the captaincy was a factor in, or holding on to the captaincy was a factor in giving him the new contract or getting him to agree the new contract as well. I think the implications of potentially snatching that away from him is as if to say, Aubameyang, you showed loyalty by staying here. We desperately wanted you to stay, but you know we're not, we're not sure about you anymore. And we're going to take that away from you. And your performances are not good enough and you're not enough of a leader. I don't know how that would be received by a senior <laughs> yeah. player. And and I think that that's potentially opening up a can of worms that Mikel Arteta doesn't need to deal with. He's got enough shit to try and sort out. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think... I think when you come into a club and a very senior player, and let's be honest, up until last season, Arsenal's best player is the captain. As a new manager coming in, even a year in, you're still taking a huge gamble and huge risk and risking an almost kind of meltdown by going, mm. sorry, mate, you're not for me. Yeah, yeah, I do see the argument. It's, I suppose, the counter to would, that would be, can things get much worse for Aubameyang right now? And would change in the captaincy, how much of an impact would that really have? And if we're considering bringing in a striker in the next six to, to eight months, would changing the captaincy be all that bad if it has a, a more positive impact in the short term for whoever we replace him with? It's it's impossible to know the answer, of course, and it is all hypothetical, but it's it's one that maybe Arteta needs to consider. Um, we're going to go to questions in the chat box for the last uh, 20 or so minutes of the show. Harry, before we do that, did you have any other pressing matters you were desperate to cover before we go to questions? Um, Not really, other than like... We just need to keep calm. You know, we just mm. need to we just need to understand where this team is. We just need to understand that we do have a manager who is still learning, a manager who is still trying to work out his trade. And 
if you're angry about him making mistakes and if you're angry about the fact that he's in the role, then direct it at the people upstairs. Bring the Cronky mm. Out protests back. Make some noise about that and make some noise about the actual root cause of the problem. Because if me or Tom were offered the Arsenal job, we'd both take it. None of us are fit for it, but we'd both take it because it's a dream job. And if we got mm. it, none of us would be letting it go for anything. We'd be giving our best for the club. And I truly believe that Arteta is giving his best for the club. If he's not good enough, it's 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 on the people upstairs. And the whole negativity and toxicity and overreaction off the back of every single defeat, when I talk about not getting into a rot, that puts us into a rot. That deepens the hole that we're in. Mm. You know, it, it, it it's not helpful. So I'm not saying be happy about where Arsenal are at. I'm not saying be happy about the performances we're seeing. But direct your anger and your frustration at the people that are the actual problem at this football club. Because I guarantee you, it doesn't matter who we bring in, six months, a year down the line, we're all going to be sitting here still saying that we haven't got good enough players. We haven't gone and spent 80, 100 million pounds on individual players. And we're still a million miles between the money men, Chelsea and City. There, there, there you go. I mean, to, to round off kind of the discussion part of the show, nicely done. Let's uh, jump into the chat box and go through some of your questions. Uh, we'll alternate these. Uh, Mitchell says, Canton Simu sounds like a high-end solicitor firm. Uh, I don't know how successful it would be, but uh, <laughs> thanks, Mitchell. Uh, Dan Roberts says, uh, Harry, when Aubameyang eventually goes, who would you give the armband to? I would say Gabriel or Ramsdale. Yeah, I think they're two solid options. Um I like the idea of a centre-back being captain. The only reservation I have with Gabriel is is we hear quite a bit about his his English not being great. Mm. And I know that a lot of being a captain in 2021 is is about leading by example, as opposed to shouting and screaming like in the Tony Adams days. But I just wonder if that would be a factor. It'd be great to see one of the homegrown boys do it, but I don't think either of them are, or any of them are particularly captain mm. material. Um I think Gabriel's a good shout. Yeah, I know people have talked about Tierney in the past as well, but mm, he's not fit not enough. Fine. He's not fit often enough, and and that's a big problem for me. So yeah, I think I'd go Gabriel. Uh, the robots will let you says uh, for myself. What is the first quick fix that should be done as soon as possible? Never mind the stuff behind the scenes. What should Arteta do immediately against Southampton? We've conceded nine goals in our last four games. Um, and I know that we talk a lot about kind of chance creation as a big issue, but we need to, you know, we need to ground ourselves for a second. We need to have a bit of a reality check. And for me, it might mean changing system because the system anyway has not been working. And I would be tempted to go to a three at the back against Southampton. I would be tempted to go Tierney Tavares on the left-hand side and Gabriel on white and Tomiyasu playing. And I thought Tomiyasu going forwards has improved game on game, actually, at Arsenal. I think he can operate in, in a wing-back role. We've still given you that balance because what it means is if Tomiyasu is playing the wing-back, he can be disciplined and let Tierney kind of shift over and, and attack on the left-hand side and really overload that left flank. So maybe going to a 3-4-3 three, three, uh, is something that we could look at or a 3-5-2 uh, with Erdogan still operating in that 10. But I think we need to solidify things at the back and we need to stop conceding because that's the immediate issue that looks to be costing us the key points is we're conceding silly goals. Um, let's go to Sam who says, is Arteta Harry better suited to a technical director role considering his off-field impact versus the on-field decision-making? No, I, I think Mikel Arteta, I think what you get with, with new managers is you get people who quite often 
fall into making or, or falling to their own kind of philosophy based on the way they start their careers. So you might start as a with a really attacking philosophy in mind, mm. see that you can't play that way, be a little bit more pragmatic based on the players you have at your disposal. And over the course of your career, you you've seen that that works and you trust it and you develop more of a belief in it. And therefore that becomes your philosophy. Whereas with Mikel Arteta, I think he's come in with a very clear philosophy and that is sometimes the problem. The fact yeah. that he won't deviate away from that because he believes in it so strongly is actually his downfall at times, i.e. the patterns of football in which we attack with. They are so robotic and they are so pre-planned that they become predictable, but he will not venture away from that. And I, and I think that he's a manager who I think is learning a lot, but obviously whether it's enough, uh, quick enough for us hmm. is another thing. I just think that he is a great coach. It's clear that he has very, very strong ideas. But as a manager, he's probably lacking a little bit. And I'm not sure that giving him the manager role, although in terms of the day-to-day -day running of the team isn't all that different, I think we we still should look at him as a head coach because he is a coach before he is a manager. Diallo says, do you think bringing on Xhaka was a desperate move on the part of Arteta? It seems weird. Look, I thought it was I thought it was surprising that he started the game. I thought it was even more shocking that he played the entire game as, as, as opposed to him starting. I mean, you look how unfit Tierney was. And I mean, Xhaka's coming off the back of not playing in, in a couple of months and off the back of a serious injury and he looked leggy. And I think that we saw uh, against Man United with the selection of El Nene and Partey that Arteta kind of wants to bring back some seniority to the midfield. I think he feels like maybe the midfield is losing us these games and we're losing those midfield battles. But the problem is, as I think he's he's not had kind of the, the front or the cojones, as Troy Deeney would say, to drop Partey because Partey's been the issue. Like for Lukonga has been our best centre midfielder this season and for our two most important games against Man United and Everton, he wasn't featuring. And that was a huge mistake. So I didn't mind Xhaka coming into the team, but I would have dropped Thomas Partey and I would have played Lukonga alongside Xhaka if you were going to play Xhaka because Lukonga has been brilliant and I, I can't get my head around why he's not been playing him. Um, Cookie Monster says, Harry, do you think Potter would do a better job with this Arsenal squad right now? Potter seems to be a very popular name being thrown around. Would you, would you take him at Arsenal if he was to change managers? Graham Potter's got a lot more to do before he's, he's deserving of a job like Arsenal. I'm sorry, like what did Arteta do? <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed, and and yeah. that was a that was a big risk, you know, and um, and it's a risk that probably is going to prove not to be a, a right one. But mm. with Graham Potter, I still I think there's a lot of things with Graham Potter sides that you could, you know, they started the season brilliantly, went on a bad run. Um, you know, they they draw a lot of games. They've drawn eight games in the Premier League so far this season. That's more than anybody else. They're, they've improved defensively, but they're struggling to score goals. And and a lot of that is is kind of similar to what we're seeing with Mikel Arteta's team. Very mm. clear patterns of play that maybe are becoming a little bit predictable and, and strikers that can't seem to finish. It's, I don't know, look, he's someone that I would keep a close eye on, but he's he's another project manager, Graham Potter. And people have already shown and indicated they're not willing to wait for a project or back a project. Mm. So what's the difference between Graham Potter and Mikel Arteta other than one's a bit more experienced? I think you're going to get the same sort of direction. Young players, specific style of football, um, not necessarily shopping in the big leagues and shopping in the bracket below. 
I, I don't think there's all that much. I'm not saying Graham Potter's not a better manager than Arteta. What do you make of his style, though? Because, like, the XG for Brighton's insane. Like, they create so many chances but miss so many. Do you not think that Arsenal could benefit from the style that he's implementing at Brighton? Yeah, they could benefit from it. Um, you know, and I, again, I don't think he's a bad coach, but I think he's a coach that needs to be given autonomy, needs to be given control. Mm. And and so is, and that's what we've, we're trying to do with Mikel Arteta. So it just, it comes down to, do you think that Mikel Arte, that Graham Potter is better than Mikel Arteta? Swap them, fine. But ultimately, you're still bringing in someone who wants to oversee a longer term project as opposed to, Antonio Conte, who comes in and gets you results quickly, maybe leaves a shit show behind him when he goes. But mm. it, it just depends what people want, because when we talk about the project, the process, it's, it's something that pisses people off. It's something mm. that gets people's backs up. If you go and get Graham Potter, we're not going to win the Premier League in the next in the next three years. Mm. So that's my point. It's what are you willing to accept as an Arsenal fan? This squad, I believe, is poor. I honestly do think that. Where I do really you think it do. ranks in the league? Sixth, seventh. Who are, the, who are the teams better than our squad? Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United. Um, I think on paper, Leicester's squad is 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 Oof. probably up there as well. You know, they they've made a couple of dodgy signings in defence this summer. Um who in their yeah. team starts ahead of our best eleven? Well, I think people like Tielemans come in. I think people like Ndidi are probably playing better than Thomas Partey. Mm. I think, you know, I think I'm quite happy with our centre-backs at the moment. But, you know, Johnny Evans is a decent centre-back. You look further forward. Jamie Vardy seems to be more potent in front of goal mm. than Aubameyang at the minute. Um, you know, James Madison can create, can score goals. There's a lot of talented players there. But the point I'm making is that if you're if we're having this discussion and we've already named four teams that definitely 100% have yeah. a better squad than us, yeah. why are we outraged that we're not fourth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, look, I think we had the fifth best squad person. That's why I was asking the question. West Ham about as well. You could, you know, West Ham have got a very good team. I think the West Ham had the sixth best team. I think Spurs have the seventh. Um, and I think that's because they've got a very, very disinterested Harry Kane at the moment. Um, if it yeah. was a fit and fire in Harry Kane that we've seen in the past, they probably would overtake us for the amount of goals that he brings them. Um, but just because he's just he's just absent for them, uh, it drops them down a couple of places because of how important he is. Um also, the, in terms of a manager, where does the manager rank in terms of Premier League managers? It's, it's it could arguably not even be the top ten. Um, yeah, so that that obviously would bring Arsenal down. I think that Arsenal, if we get top six, look, that's that's the expectation. But we had the fifth best team. If we got top four, in my view, it would have been an overachievement. It would have been a brilliant achievement to get top four. If we get fifth, I'm very happy. If we get sixth, I would look at it and go, who is that team that's finishing fifth, and why are they finishing above us? If we finish outside the top six, there's no excuse for that. Like there's, there's just there's just no excuse. If we uh, if we don't finish on, in the top six, Tom, he should be sacked. Mm, absolutely. Let's be clear about that. that yeah, is, I think we both agree on that. Yeah, yeah, that is where we need to be. And if we're not, you sack him. You don't even think about it twice. Mm. Well, I mean, I was I was into to our pal judges the other day having a chat and and saying that like he feels that and he actually he didn't call us out directly, but he did like specifically say like fans who think that the top six is. Like that's the expectation for them. That's not good enough. Like we should be aiming for top four. Where have our standards gone? What do you kind of make of that that line of thinking from our fella? It's hard to it's hard to process that Arsenal 
are where they are nowadays because of what we've seen over the last 20 years. Mm. But the reality is, if you're, you know, you talk to non-Arsenal fans, they don't have such an elevated opinion of Arsenal as we do because half <laughs> yeah. of it is, half of it is because we want it to be true. And the other half is because we believe it's true, right? You know, Arsenal, massive football club, very high standards over the years. And it's hard as somebody who cares and loves the club to process the fact that we're not one of the best four or five teams in the league anymore. Mm. But that's the reality. You know, you you can't sit there and tell me that we have a better side than any of the, the people, any of City, Chelsea, Liverpool um, and United. Therefore, our ceiling is fifth. If your ceiling is fifth, which is your absolute mm. maximum, and you finish sixth, mm. you're only one place off of what your ceiling is. It ain't that bad. Mm. And and I don't get why people struggle to process that. I think it's really easy to just go, oh, we're the Arsenal and, and you know, this is, this is how it should be. The landscape has changed dramatically over the years. When we were competing for league titles, we were going head to head with Manchester United. It was a two horse race every single season. You'd have backed Arsenal or Manchester United, wherever they went in the country at that point to beat whoever they were facing, barring when they met each other. Thierry Henry called it the other day. He called the Arsenal-Man United fixture the title decider because we knew that the other one wasn't going to drop that many points throughout the rest of the season. Now you've got Chelsea. Now you've got City. You've had Leicester competing for the top four over the last few seasons. You've had Spurs become a, a top four contender, not in the last couple of years, but prior to that. The football landscape has changed. And with all the investment coming in from states, you know, owning football clubs, mm. the world is different. It's a different place. And people have to be able to understand that. And they don't. They look at the old days and go, well, Arsenal were top of the league. Arsenal were fighting with Man United. Where have our standards gone? You've got to be realistic. And, and if you're unrealistic, you'll just always be pissed off all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we'll, I mean, we sit here at the start of December um, and the issue for me is going to be, and I think we both agreed and said, if we lose the next three games, so if we look up for me, if we lose against Southampton, there's a huge question that has to be asked anyway at home. You've got West Ham at home. That, that West Ham game is crucial, not only because obviously of the competition and, and where that sits us in terms of taking three points off then, gaining three points ourselves. But as we just discussed then, in, in terms of rankings of where West Ham squad is in comparison to us, the job that David Moyes has done. Um, if, if West Ham finish fourth, it's an overachievement for them. And if they finish above us, Man United, it's an overachievement because I think our squad is better than West Ham's squad. I mean, look at them now. They've just lost Zuma. They've lost a few other players as well because of injury. If they still manage to get that top four position, it's an unbelievable win. And in that sense, you're asking Arsenal to overachieve above Man United and then outcompete an overachieving West Ham United at the same time. But it's that doesn't matter if Arsenal are sitting seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth in in the table. It's just so it's so hard right now because we are in December and we are say a couple of wins away from being in a top four race again, or a couple of wins away from being out of a top six race. It's just such fine margins and so close. And obviously, people want wins right now. And football moves so quickly and the narrative changed so quickly that two weeks ago, to say Arteta out in a live chat and a YouTube comments, as I commented and said, is a little bit out of place to be saying Arteta out one point off top four. Two weeks or a week or so later, you've lost against United and Everton. 
And I think just by looking at our poll that I put up at the start of the show, 212, it was going up every time, 226 votes now, 53% of those would move on from the manager. Uh, if you haven't voted already, by the way, guys, that the, the uh, poll is still in the chat box and so make sure you're dropping a like on the video. But do you know what I mean, Harry? Like it's, it's mad how kind of, you know, how quickly things change. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the thing. Just as they can change for the worse very quickly, they can also change for the better if you just put a couple of results together. And mm. that's the point. Like everybody's very quick to kind of say somebody's failed before they've actually failed nowadays. Everybody's very quick to be, you know, or to show animosity towards individuals that they know nothing about just based on football results. You got people kind of screaming from the rooftops that the manager should be sacked, yet. Three weeks ago, they were, you know, saying, oh, you know what? This is this is looking like it might be a pretty decent season. I just think that everything is so reactionary and you cannot make informed and 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 I think deep judgments based on such small sample sizes. You go and win the next four games and all of a sudden you're looking at a very different thing. Now, are there faults? Yes, nobody said there weren't going to be. But if you thought after that run that we went on, uh, just before the Liverpool game, the Arsenal were never going to have a dip throughout the remainder of the season. We're not going to have a, a, more defeats. We're not going to hit more brick walls. Then you got carried away, and that's the reality. And you've been slapped back down to earth now. It's just going to. It's difficult for me the the small sample size thing because obviously we've sat here and we've had two back to back eighth place finishes i know what you mean in terms of the small sample size like we look over the last two games and that's how it's changed the narrative from from what it was two games prior but again i, I bring i think we go full circle in in this debate to the 10 games we went unbeaten and how convincing those 10 games really were um it's it's for me it's it, that's that's the tricky part is because and that's why i i think the argument comes down to harry whether we as individuals sit there and go if someone says they would change the manager right now i don't think i mean i won't speak for you from my from myself i wouldn't criticize someone for having the opinion that they want to change the manager right now because i think that they would have looked at what we've what's happened over the last uh, two years of arteta and they'd look at what we've done and where we are. Have we implemented a style? No. Have we improved the way we recruit players? Yes. Are the players progressing? Some of them, but not too many. I think you look at Saka, Smith-Rowe have definitely progressed under Arteta. I think defensively we looked to have improved, but not consistently, as you've as we've seen with nine goals conceded in the last four games. But it's I don't think there's enough evidence for me to say, that wanting him gone is not a grounded view about the coach right now. Well, I mean, I'll let you answer the question. Do you, if someone said to you, they are Arteta out, do you think they're exaggerative in that position or is it a fair position to be in right now? No, I think it's a fair position. It's absolutely a fair position. I think with arguments, you can you can spin a lot of stuff to, to yep. go your way. You know, mm. you could say that the young players have, have have developed, a lot of them. You could say, as you said, that the recruitment of players has got better. You could look at the defence and say that the defence overall has got better. I would put a lot of the goals we conceded in the last few weeks down to the midfield not doing their job, more so than the actual back four itself. Mm. I think, you know, I think you can always spin it either way. And I think both sides are valid. 
I just think that there is a way of, of doing it. There is a way of making your points that doesn't portray you as an idiot who's frothing at the mouth waiting to have a go at someone. There's a way of being concerned about where this Arsenal team are at and then turning up at the Emirates Stadium and putting that to one side and getting behind the team from the minute you arrive there till the minute you leave. You, all of those things can be done. Not every opinion has to be so extreme one way or the other. And I think that as a fan base, we've shown ourselves as unable to do that, unable to be fair, unable to be balanced. And that is fueled by, you know, people online hiding behind anonymous accounts and and people jump on bandwagons. You know, if, if you come and sit down and have a chat with me and present loads of good views, whether they're your views or you've taken them from somewhere else, if you can put those together and, and present them in a, in a good way, I don't think anybody would say oh, you're an idiot, that your opinion's completely wrong. I think they would. Or some might. Yeah, some might. I actually like to hear different opinions. I, help, mm. I think that that helps me decide whether mine is right or not. Yeah. And it helps me to build on mine or, or think that maybe I'm overthinking it. Reflecting on your own view because of an opposite argument is really powerful. It's a good thing. Mm. But we don't seem to be, in general, as a fan base, mature enough to be able to do that with one another. It's people just wanting to have a go at each other. There, are, there were people, Tom, I guarantee it, on Monday night that were sitting there watching that second half, sharpening their knives. Oh, already yeah. thinking, already thinking about what they were going to tweet at the full-time whistle to have a go at Arsenal. Mm -hmm. And equally, there are people who, when Arsenal were winning games, were sitting yep. there waiting to tweet something to say, I oh, told you. Oh, they're just you. as bad. Yeah. Just as bad as one another, Agreed. honestly. I, I can't stand it either way. It's just, it is, I hate using the word toxic, but it, there is rarely a better word to describe it. It's either toxic positivity or toxic negativity. And... I'm very thankful that I look at both of us and a lot of the people that watch both of our channels find themselves in the middle ground uh, between those two spectrums um, because we were able, as you say, to, to take on information, reflect on your viewpoint and change your view if it needs to change based upon being given better evidence. I think that the, the what that middle ground is, though, is that we want the best for Arsenal. Um, and that we want Arsenal to win the next game. That's where I want to kind of finish this show, Harry, because this is something that's dominated my chat boxes, and I don't know if it's come up in yours either. And I know it's something we've discussed in the past, but there are people I know that have been tweeting me and, and I've been putting into the chat box and in my comment sections, arguing the point when I say, if you want Arsenal to lose against Southampton because you think that'll go further towards getting Arteta sacked, in my view, you're no longer an Arsenal fan. That's my opinion. That's where I sit on that. Where do you kind of sit on this thing that's this phenomenon that's grown amongst fandom these days? Yeah, 100% agree. If you truly have the interests of the club at your heart, you will want the club to win every single football match they mm. participate in. You need to be able to recognise that whoever is in charge of the club, whether you back them or not, is, is in charge. I mean, for example, if you don't like Boris Johnson, you don't stop supporting England in the World Cup, do you? Like, <laughs> That's, oh, such an on-brand. Oh. You have any parties this weekend, Harry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my address is number 10. <laughs> uh, no, but it's true, isn't it? Like, sometimes you can, you can love something without without always backing every single person that represents it. it you know, it's that's the way I see it. And I just think that people, to be outraged, love to be upset, love to be pissed off. And if you're sitting there going... 
you know, I've got a lot of friends that and family members even who have Arsenal season tickets. And towards the end of the Wenger days, they were going, well, I ain't going until Wenger gets kicked out. Well, then you obviously don't care that much, do you? You're obviously not that bothered and you're using it mm. as an excuse that you don't like the manager to to cover up the fact that actually you're not as committed as you want everyone to think. Mm. And, and, and that's how I see it with this as well. I, I don't think you can be an Arsenal fan if you if you want Arsenal to lose, if you're, a, if you've truly got the club's interest at heart, you want Mikel Arteta to turn this around. You want Arsenal to turn this around. And, uh, and it's as simple as that. Absolutely. Harry, thank you so much, mate, for coming on. As always, really appreciate your time. Tell people where they can find you and where the next show is going to be. Yeah, the next show is going to be uh, next week. The Canton and Simu show. We'll uh, we'll let you know when it's going to be. We'll make sure that we uh, we get that uh, penciled in. Uh, you can find me over at the Chronicles of Aguna and at Ninety Min. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Harry Simu. And uh, we're going to be doing a show live actually in about ten minutes. We're going to be talking about how Mikel Arteta might be able to fix Arsenal's attack, which is going to be interesting. So come join. Oh, very, very interesting. Make sure you check that out. Yeah, Chronicles of Laguna, link to the channel will be in the description. So make sure that you go and give that a subscription and a watch. And make sure you're dropping a like on today's video as well. Let's just finish the show by having a look at that poll that we put up earlier on in the show. 285 votes later. 19% of people will keep the faith with the manager. 54% would want to change the coach and 27% are still on the fence. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. As always, please do drop a like on the video and subscribe if you haven't done so. I'll be back uh, tomorrow morning with the 8am show. There may be a preview show for the uh, Southampton game this evening. Uh, members, if you'd like to come on, just throw your interest into the Discord server. But other than that, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you as always. And as always, up the Arsenal. <laughs> It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates are around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.